Some of you were there too, weren't you? Up at Crooked Creek Ranch for the Royal Men's Retreat. And you stood in front of that blazing fire under a canopy of stars, clutching a rock, this burden that you carried all weekend long, this clunky reminder, this heavy object representing all that was weighing you down, all the pain and shame and regret. All that stuff that was standing in the way of the life, the life that you truly desire. And then, with that raging fire in front of you, you did it. It took everything in you, but you did it. You screamed. The kind of scream that only comes from the heart. From that deep hole where all that pain had been living for years. And as you screamed, you chucked that rock. And the destruction it represented. Self-destruction. Spiritual destruction. All of the broken relationships. You chucked them. And you threw that rock over the flames. And over the embers, those, those embers that mixed with the stars in the night sky, you hurled it all into the night and out of your life forever. It's a moment I'll never forget. Is that your story too? For a lot of us, we've had those moments and they've happened at men's retreats where we went up a mountain or walked onto a camp or into some hotel, searching, looking for change. And we got it. And life hasn't been the same ever since. That's Rob Stout's story. Rob stops by today to share what happened to him and the powerful way that God got a hold of his heart and how he helped Rob and gave him hope and direction for dealing with the junk that he'd been carrying and the struggles that he'd been having for years. Retreat Reflections, Fire on the Mountain with Rob Stout. This is Flatirons Men's Community Pastor Dan Foote, and this is Wake Up Call, the Flatirons Podcast for Men. Um, because we're doing the re- the retreats, we're we haven't done men's retreat in a year and a half. Right. So we're going to do a men's retreat in the fall, and uh, we just wanted to talk with some of these men who, especially men that are heavily involved in what we're doing. Yourself, you mm-hmm. sit on my lead team. Uh, you have some pretty cool experiences that have happened at our retreats. And some of that stuff has happened because of what we did at retreat. Some of, some of it's because of what God was doing in your heart mm-hmm. in the process. So um, just quickly, we did a podcast with you. You're one of our first podcasts. Right. Um, back when we looked at heart, soul, mind, strength, and you shared your story about just having this passion, desire, This you felt it like a calling uh, to mm-hmm. go into ministry, and then how that didn't how that didn't happen the way you wanted. You actually 
got into ministry uh, after getting your master's divinity and and everything, and then to have that rough experience happen, right in uh, where the church just went under uh, in in Boulder, uh, and then now you're in a much, by your words, healthier, better place, different but, phase of life, yeah. as you put it. And so, I want to talk about your experiences at the retreats. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, knowing uh, a lot of your story, I'm going to go back to the Uncommon Retreat mm-hmm. where you were – again, you sit on my lead team. You were an integral part in what we did, how we pulled that off up at Crooked Creek. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know what you were experiencing until you shot me a text right. on the way home. Walk us through that. Well, what year was that? You're going to have to help me out. I'm thinking, Justin, you're going to have to 11, help us out. 12, something like that. I don't <laughs> he, know what he year turns it was. fifty in October. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, edit, edit. Yeah, he turns fifty in October. I'm already fifty. So you're easy now. That'd be twenty nine and holding. Of course, I got a twenty one year old daughter, so I guess yeah. I got started in the fourth grade with parenthood. But so, oh well. I think if memory serves me, the uncommon retreats were in. 2015? Something like that. Something like we'll that. We'll go with yep. that. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, let's just back up a little bit. The, through that whole course of, of time when I was coming out of ministry and walking through a really, really difficult time. Yeah. Um, heaped on with guilt and shame. I mean, who closes down a church? Who's got that on their resume? Right. Um, that sucked. It was horrible. Um, getting out of that and walking through the Great Recession in the building materials industry mm-hmm. um, went from bad to worse. It felt like frying pan to fire. And um, and yet, I mean, there was a period of time where I couldn't come to church. I just couldn't come to church. And when I right. did, being engaged in worship in particular was like wound debridement. It sure. was just horrible. It was a couldn't do painful it. experience. Yeah, I would open my mouth to try to sing and connect with God, and I'm, that's the way I connect. And yeah. It was like lump in the throat. Um, I made some bad choices in that time. Um, and that was um, – I have got a pretty addictive personality as I'm mm-hmm. becoming much more self-aware. I'm like, you know what? I I need to just watch myself on any front, be it with people and connecting emotionally or with anything. Um, and one of the areas – I was never a, uh, a big drinker at right. all. Growing up, people have their – college party stories. I didn't do that. I was I was involved in campus ministry sure. all through college and post-college and all that. Right. Um, but one of the um, downfalls of the neighborhood that we helped build when we all moved into Vista Ridge was um, just a lot of social gatherings and with that social drinking and with that came um, – Binge drinking a lot on the weekends, right? Throughout this period, and it was during this difficult time that, oh the, yeah, yeah, that really took off. Now, did you recognize in the moment that I'm using this to self medicate? This is a slippery slope, of course. Yeah, but when you're in control of it and you use it, it doesn't use you. Yeah, um, you think you're skiing downhill instead of falling downhill. There's oh, a difference, right? Sure. So, um, I just. Yeah, I started to medicate. I started to, and it became something that I knew was there. I knew it was a problem. Our family is like a who's who of 
AA. I mean, it's really there's a lot of addictive patterns in our family, um, going back generations. And I knew that that was something that like okay. And I'd I'd wake up and I in in my what I call God space, mm-hmm. like when I'm quiet or when I'm at church or when I'm alone or when I'm driving or whatever. And God's spirit would just go, you know, pal. Um, no, this isn't the best. This is for a you. problem. This isn't my best for you. This mm. isn't good and best and right and pure and true and and I'd be like, whatever. But I can afford this. You got to allow me this one. Yeah, and I got it, and it's fine. Now was no problem. When you're talking about the affording piece, does that come from? Hey, look what you let that happen. Oh yeah, and this is this is actually on you. So we're yeah. good here. You owe me this. Yeah, because you screwed up my life. Yeah. And so, um, sounds really harsh, but that was, that, that was, that's uh, the, the rationale that was going on. Part of, yeah, how I was feeling at the time. So, um, when you help, help me understand here, was this just like a weekend thing? We got, we got a weekend neighborhood party, or is this something that you would do in the evenings? Yeah, it was just weekend. Weekend. But it became weekend binge drinking, yeah. which is a form of alcoholism. I would hit 7 Eleven right on the corner of where I live and, uh, grab a, and it was monster vodka. Up high caffeine, low alcohol. It was, but it became this pattern of Friday night, Saturday night, it, and it was there a lot. And yeah. I was just like, and I knew it, and I knew it was taking up more space. But when you start to wade into that, you don't realize how deep you're getting into that until you pull back and you're like, okay, listen, what are you going to do? Yeah. And so there were a lot of different contexts of of space and conversations with. A friend with you, mm-hmm. with my wife, with my parents one time. My mom was like, you know, Rob, you're pouring it on kind of heavy. Okay. Because I wouldn't drink just to just to have a beer or have a glass of wine. I would drink, and the end result quickly became escape, numb, I'm buzzed. enjoy this. Yeah. Well, not only that, but eventually passed out. On oh, the, really? Yeah. Yeah, that's how, that's how. And, it you know, late at night after you've been doing this for five hours or whatever, you— that's where it ended up. And sure. That's where, so I, there was a couple moments in there, one of which was uh, listening to a radio broadcast. It was Chris Carter okay. um, talking on uh, Ohio State Buckeye, by the way, um, <laughs> Minnesota Vikings Hall I say, of Famer. I, I think it was Minnesota Vikings. No, but... Ohio State Buckeye. Okay. But anyway, uh, he was talking on the radio, and he was talking with – it was like Mike and Mike in the morning or something like yeah. that. And, and he made this comment. He goes, I came to find out that I – just can't drink like a normal normal person. Mm. And I was like, and you heard that, and that there's a bell went off. A bell, a lot of bells have gone off. Yeah. This is not one turning point, sure. right? A lot of things. But he goes, I just found that out. I can't do it. And I'm like, hmm. I don't don't think I can either. Mm. It was just. But and yet going okay, so we cut back. And every January or whatever, I would be like, okay, thirty months of diet reset. Sure, you know, new year, no new beginnings. Yeah, but just resetting diet, mm-hmm. workout, all those things. And alcohol was always a part of that yeah. to make sure it didn't have a hold on me. Um, so it kind of did, kind of didn't. And anybody who's listening to this who knows that, they were like, oh, it did. Yeah. And, well, it, of course it did. Yeah. And I was just trying to control that. Um, and yet not falling away, not like off the reservation with God, mm-hmm. really trying to pursue that, work through what I was doing, work through pain in my life. And um, there were a lot of moments of clarity in that. Um, and I think that's where we come to the retreat. Yeah. Um, For fact, the Uncommon Retreat. The Uncommon Retreat, yeah. 
um, we were there and one of the, I think, exercises that we did was just time alone with God, thing, mm-hmm. things like that. And I remember, it's weird because whenever I got into God space, um, that was the thing that would hit me. It wasn't anything else about my lifestyle, maybe maybe losing my temper or something I said to somebody that wasn't cool, but it was that issue. It was like this spotlight, more like yeah. a laser beam right on my heart going, this isn't what I, this isn't my best for you. Right. This isn't what I've got for you. This wasn't who I made you to be as a man and as a follower of me. Um, and so you hear that and you kind of, okay, you adjust, come back. God's spirit's kind of like that. But then mm-hmm. eventually he's going to leave you alone. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to leave you alone. But you have this moment in your God time mm-hmm. where that laser beam hit your heart on this, and you were convicted. Absolutely. And you came down the mountain. Mm -hmm. And and I stopped at the top of Berthoud Pass. Yeah. Um, Then I just wanted to get some time before I hit the going down the hill back to Denver. Um, And I went walking along this creek that's right there at one of these pull-off spots. And I was like, you know what? Uh, This is not the man I want to be. This is not the dad I want to be. This is not the husband I want to be, the worker yeah. I want to be. And I said, you know, this stops today. Mm-hmm. And I wrote on the back of this rock that you're referring to, I sent that picture to you. Yeah. Uh, I wrote the word freedom and I wrote the word whatever date it was. I don't even yeah. remember. It's actually, I should have turned it over when I came in because it's in my yard. It's on the bottom of this rock in my yard. Right. Um, but I wrote that date on there, and uh, I wrote the date on another rock and chucked it as far as I could down the hill. And hopefully didn't kill a hiker in the process. <laughs> but threw it as far as I could and yeah. took the other one home with me. And I was like, all right, I need to get clean of this. I'm, I, am, I am convicted mm-hmm. to go a different direction. Yeah. To go a different direction. Well, like you said, God allows us to make our own decisions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes he sends the storm that makes us go to Nineveh, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes he 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 does miraculous things. Those are few and far between, right? A lot of times he lets us to our own desires, and hopefully we desire him. Mm-hmm. And so, what happened when you came back after Uncommon? When you said God left you alone. Well, when I came back after that, there was a season of of really working on stuff, honestly working on it. Um, and yet it was still something I really enjoyed. The bottom line was I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, the, I'm sure my brain chemistry was rewired so that all my pleasure sensors were fired and that was my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of other things that do that for guys that they get trapped in, but that was it. So... I, um, gosh, I, I, there was absolute change at that point. Yeah. Um, a step of change at that point. Um, and a season, I'm sure of, there was, there was a season of sobriety, of kicking this, and it had been almost probably six months that I had dealt really well with it on my own. Did you feel a deeper connection with God during that period? Oh, sure. Yeah. There was more dependency. 
mm-hmm. uh, on him. There was more closeness with him. There was more unmasking with him, just in not bullshitting the Lord. Yeah. Um, but what about the this anger toward him? Was that still there? Oh, gosh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I had to do a lot of layers of healing to get not just and I make it about this church situation but it was about my looking back yeah. it was about my own growth and my own development and my own walk with him that he wanted to take me on the reality that a very gracious loving caring warrior brother Jesus wanted to take me on this path mm-hmm. in order to take me not where I am today but where I'm where I'm going because we always look at today like, today's my pinnacle. Well, it's not. I, I've got eternity yeah. to walk with him. Yeah. I'm excited about that. Yeah. But the reality is, yes, he wanted to take me in into a place like that. And um, there were a lot of layers of, of um, healing that needed to happen after that particular incident. Right. Um, in order to do what he wanted to do in my life, which I would have never have chosen on my own, ever. Yeah, so so then let's fast forward to the royal retreats mm-hmm. because to me this is where uh, that laser pointer gets really, really high. Really tight. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So there are – my thing with these retreats is this. Jesus wants to meet with you. Mm-hmm. And somehow, I don't know that that's the only place where he lives, like Mount Sinai in the Old Testament with Moses. Yeah. It's not like he lives up there, but he wants to meet with men. Yeah. He wanted to meet with me, and he wanted to do something as, as long as I would create space for that and say, I'm open to whatever you got for me up here this weekend. That's – if men do that, he will meet them there. Yeah. There's no question. So the royal retreat um, – was a couple years later, and this had been something that I've been up and down on and working on and struggling with, honestly. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a one-time – some people have that story. I don't. Um, the Royal Retreat, though, was one that I was up there just hauling wood and stacking rocks and making fires and kind of my thing being a Sherpa. Yeah. Just serving. <laughs> yeah. Just serving. And uh, it was great, but there was a point where – I knew, I'm like, I'm just tired of this struggle. My word was just tired. Yeah. I mean, I met you at the back door. I don't know who was talking. It could have been, I don't know who it was. Yeah. It was Jim or Scott, but it could have been anybody. The reality, though, that God had been working on stuff in my heart, and I was like, you know what? I'm tired of this struggle. I'm tired of this pain from this situation I was in. I'm tired of the way I'm dealing with it. I'm tired of a lot of things, and I just want to be done. Mm-hmm. I just want to be done. Yeah. And I remember that because you did. You caught me at the back door after one of the sessions ended. I leaned in. I'm like, bro, we need to talk. Yeah. It was during the quiet time mm-hmm. when everybody goes off to have their time with God. Mm-hmm. And you were wrecked from what Jim had just taught. Mm-hmm. I, I say from what Jim – I think Jim – what Jim had just taught was the trigger – that started the, the landslide that had been building, right? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Uh, I don't even remember what was said. I just know yeah. that I, whatever it was, I was like, fine. And you and I went down to the basement mm-hmm. there at Avalanche at Crooked Creek. And I pretty much and just You unloaded. It. And I said, do you have arms to hold this? <laughs> you go, what's going on? And yeah. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, you know. 
just Those open powerful, up. Powerful. It's one of my favorite, favorite moments from re- every every retreat I've ever done. You know, from fourteen, the first men's retreat I went to. So. You know, the reality that our relationship was built to that point where I was just like, "Hey, if we're gonna be on, let's be honest. Yeah. Let's stop. Let me just be honest with you." And mm-hmm. tell you what's going on and, and the pain that's going on. And I I want to, I don't know if you call that bottom. I don't know what you call that. But I was just like, I want to, I really want to not think I have to. Mm-hmm. Or like the God says, Rob, get with it. I'm like, okay, I know I need to get with it. But I think at that weekend, it moved into a, um, to a want to, like a deep desire to, if... I know this was going on in me. If what we're talking about is real, mm-hmm. if this has legs to it, if this is not just feel good, pie in the sky, religious, feel good, religious bullshit. Right. If it's for real, I want that. And if I'm going to move in that direction with my life, if he, if he is going to take me in that direction, then this is something that's got to be dealt with. And I've got to jump into my pain, my sorrow, my expectations of myself, my guilt, right. my shame, and the way I'm have been cho- have been choosing to deal with that. Right. And that was happened to be with alcohol for me. Right. But there were so many different layers of that, but I I I think it was a point of really Dan of just saying if this is real and I've been around church forever and mm-hmm. heard a lot of crap and a lot of stuff to, for me that didn't stick. It didn't have legs to it. Yeah. It, it didn't have long-term results. It was okay for a week or two, and then I would get off course again, and I'm consistently yeah. inconsistent in my walk with God. It's just the way I am. But if this was real, that's what I wanted. And I think that's of the first time in this process that I was like, I desire this. I want this. Yeah. I want change. Sitting in the, that basement at Crooked Creek, for me, it's the first time that I heard uh, from you. But so, but but tell me, is it the first time that you spoke these words out loud to somebody else other than in your head, which were this? This is what I'm dealing with. I'm dealing with this utter anger at God for what has happened, mm-hmm. and. That's where, that's while that's not the the whole, sum and total of everything. Right. That's a huge piece of why you were self medicating with alcohol. Uh, these feelings of of pain, of disappointment with God, all that was that the first time that you actually said it out loud to somebody else. Yes, to yeah. that degree, because that's what it felt like to me. And even seeing because there were, I mean, you know. There were tears, and there was yelling, and there was all of the, and then there was almost whispers from you of what you wanted in the midst of that. And for me, here we were, like when you stopped me at the back of Avalanche and said, dude, we've got to talk. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? Something's wrong. What did he do? And it, did but, he stub his toe? Well, <laughs> no, I was like, well, this is, you know— I'm there, the lead team is there basically to help facilitate that weekend for everybody else. But here's one of my key guys from my lead team going, I need to talk. Mm-hmm. We got we to gotta take care of this so we can move forward. Right. And, then, and then we go downstairs and then to hear just this utter anger and sadness 
that you were feeling mm-hmm. and how you wanted it to end. And then you told me about I had, you had lapsed back in using alcohol as a as a just kind of some comforting agent or mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, but it was different, wasn't it? And in, I'm going to say there's something to the confession piece. Absolutely. And, and there, there's something to that. But number one, there's an environment of safety. Yeah. There's an environment that this church has cultivated of honesty, which is not going to come back and stab you in the back later. Yeah. It's just like, you know what? Here's here's my strengths. Here's what I bring to the table. They're really good strengths. Here's here's my weakness. And and like, okay, so I'm walking with God. I'm in process and in growth with that. But it was in the context of of truth and grace, of of being able to be strong and to be able to be weak, all in the same shot. Yeah. To be able to, be able to serve and to be incredibly needy, all in the same shot. And of trust and of just going, I just got to talk to somebody. Who am I going to talk to? I'm like, Dan, we got to talk. Yeah. And just being able to lay it out there with you was incredibly healing part of that. Yeah. Um, and then what and I'm really grateful for that. Thank yeah, you. Man, I am equally grateful that you allowed me into that space. That's a privilege. Yeah. It's dark. Yeah. You know what I remember when you said? I don't know if you have the arms big enough to carry. I was like going, oh, crap. Like, are we going what, to police? It's like, okay, what no. But I, but I was like, let's do this because – that's what this place is here for, right? Right. Um, and so that's why it's one of my all-time favorite moments in any men's retreat. Mm-hmm. Uh, coming back down from that was a yeah. lot of work. Yeah. I mean, a lot of work getting into some 12-step stuff and but you coming did something. back out. And, you did something there yeah. to mark that too, didn't you? Mm-hmm. And it was a big marker. It was a huge marker, and it was a, it was a stake in the ground of, of really a desire and a want, and then— Coming back and developing a road plan and not just leaving it up there right. was we, huge. We, we can talk about it now because the road retreats are over with, but one mm-hmm. of the things we asked for both men and women were to take a rock, put it in this pouch, and carry it for the weekend. Mm-hmm. And that rock is to represent this thing that, or things that have been weighing you down, these things you think about yourself, these, right. you know, uh, all that all that junk that you carry. The burden. Yeah. And we were supposed to carry this through the weekend. And then on that Saturday night after the last session, we had this great fire pit. I almost set a guy on fire. Yeah, I, I threw this yeah, you rocket were... fuel to light the fire up, and it almost I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Only by the grace of God is that guy not in the yeah, burn unit. You ran our fire pit. Yeah, you were the fire pit guy. Uh, but then we asked people to, to just chuck that rock. And well, what I did in between the time that we talked and yeah. that night was I had to come back down to Denver to go to one of my kids' volleyball matches. Yeah. And it was good because I got a release time from that and just drove hour and a half down, hour and a half back up. And I stopped at a liquor store on the way and uh, I bought a bottle of like $2 wine. <laughs> the good stuff. And for the purpose of saying, all right, this is where this ends. And mm-hmm. when we were chucking these rocks over this fire, grabbed you, poured mm-hmm. out that wine, threw it into the fire, and chucked the rock. Yeah. And there was, this, there was a lot of symbolism there. Yeah. It was good symbolism. Great. 
Yeah. Really good symbolism. Again, I, I, so, I'm so grateful that you allowed me into that when you grabbed my arm and I didn't know what you were doing and you showed me the bottle. I was like, what? <laughs> I thought we were just talking yeah. about this. <laughs> yeah. And then you poured that out on the ground. It was powerful. And for those that were there, that, you know, because there were so many men, 500 men there that weekend. And you know how that fire pit was. There were some that were close and some that weren't. Some could see, uh, some that couldn't. You, it, it was powerful for those men around because wow. they like, I don't know. I, everybody knew what that, what that meant. When you poured that out and then threw that in the fire, the look on your face, the dedication, the conviction that was there, it was powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I wanted to do it publicly. So I was like, you know what? That's where that happened. Yeah. And it was a bit of a public confession moment without making a big to-do about it. It was just like, all right, here's my, yeah. here's my thing. Yeah. And as we look at you, you came down that mountain with a, with a a truer conviction and a path. And where are you today now in all of this? Well, I would say that, that that retreat was a good opportunity to put something in the ground and to make a commitment. Yeah. Um, as you know, as Justin and you are both aware, um, change is really difficult. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's hard to lead somebody to Christ. It's really hard to develop and grow over your lifetime. And I'm somebody who helps people do that yeah. in my workplace, but it is really hard. Long-term change is difficult. I mean, it's hard. Um, I came down with a sense of, you know what, I've done the one-shot moment and then forget about it a week later. Right. For for me and that it, it with that stake in the ground, I was like, you know what? I need to come back and and get into some help. I need to find somebody to help mentor me and and coach me and and love me through yeah. this. And so got with um Dallas. Um Dallas please. Wonderful old yeah. fart. Yeah. <laughs> um God, I love that guy. Um, and what did and you guys do together? We did 12 weeks of 12 weeks or 12 steps. Yeah. Um, basically uh, several, uh, four months of, um, um, yeah, it was about four, three or four months of just meeting weekly and going through the um, the shift material. Right. And so I just grabbed a friend of mine and said, all right, we're going to sit down and do this. And he was like, are you kidding me? It'd be great. Yeah. So we met every week for about four months, came out of that and uh, went to the crucible um, which my laser focus on that was working through ministry pain. Mm-hmm. So it went from I need to deal with the symptom and stop the bleeding right. to now we need to do some heart surgery on this issue. And um, honestly, that's been, what, a y- two years ago? Yeah. Something like that. Um, I am oh, – gosh, oh, I cringe in saying this, but – no, I don't cringe in saying this. God is doing something really good in the heart of Rob Stout mm. that I am. I feel strong in. Um, I feel um, a sense of of strength in my life for several reasons. Number one, having grown, but not having grown on my own, not having buried my secrets, not having buried my struggles, right. but doing that with a group of men who are around me. Um, in soul group settings that are trusted guys in there who are in that inner circle in my life. And he's doing some neat things. And I am really, really excited about 
whatever my next stage is. I don't yeah. know what that is. Yeah. Um, but I'm truly excited about where where God's taken me on that journey, and I don't know. On the uh, 12-step program, what's the first step? Admitting you have a problem. Yeah, yeah. That's the uh, the thing that I when I look at you and what you've walked through, I go back to that basement um, at Crooked Creek. Not just admitting there's a problem with the alcohol, but even admitting I got a problem with my relationship with God. There's a big problem there. Yeah, it's bleeding out yeah. as alcohol, but right. there's a really critical issue going on inside. And because of that, healing is found there. It's where it begins. Mm-hmm. It doesn't happen overnight. Like you said, it's a hard process. Right. Going through that 12-step program sure was hard. Going through whole pieces of that. It was tough. Yeah. It was tough. And yet, you know, it's a, it's 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 easy to lose track of that and go, okay, well, that was two years ago or that was whatever. And so I think for me, continuing to to keep my pro- myself in process of of recovery. Yeah. It's what it is. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really good word for yeah. for growth and discipleship is recovery. I'm growing. I'm recovering from the person I was and growing into the person I want to be. Yep. And I I've developed that into just my DNA of like no facades, trying to keep those masks off. Yeah. Trying to be honest with a group of people with my wife, with my kids. We talk about weakness all the time in our house. And we talk about strength, too. Yeah. So life is different in the start home since, mm-hmm. yeah. It is. Yeah. What does Nicole have to say about this? What does Nicole have to say about this? Nicole's excited about where we're heading. Yeah. About our... Our new phase of life. Our kids are now three in college, which is this whole another mm-hmm. set of drama. But we're honest with each other. She is getting involved with Soul Beauty, with uh, leadership retreat stuff there. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we're heading in a, a good place. That's great. In a really good place. Yeah. Um, I love what happens at these retreats because uh, I've said this over and over again. I've even said it multiple times up at the retreats. No matter how much we plan and prepare, God's always going to do what he's going to do. We can plan that we're going to do X, Y, or Z on Friday or Saturday and then Sunday. But in the midst of all that, God continues to do his hard work. And, and that's what happened with you. You were in the planning execution of that thing, of of the royal retreat, and God got a hold of you in a powerful way that we had no plans for. We had we? no. Yeah. No. So I'm, I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to the fall. I, I am of the opinion that, like you said, Dan, no matter where, what is planned for that weekend, if somebody goes up there and honestly says, I want to experience what God has for me on that mountain. He will do it. There's no question. Creating space for him. He has an agenda for each man up there that's bigger than the agenda of the retreat. Hands down. Yes. Hands down. God has an agenda for every single one of us. 
an agenda that's bigger than any retreat could ever hold or deliver. Do you know what God's agenda is for you? Are you lost, struggling, looking for something, anything, looking for a change? I'm not guaranteeing that it's going to happen up at men's retreat this year, but here's the truth. And I've seen and heard and experienced it over and over again in the men's retreats that I've attended over the last 30 plus years in Ohio and Texas and Colorado. And it's this, that God does some of his best work in the hearts and lives of men at a retreat. If you're looking for that, maybe it's time to check out a men's retreat. The Flatirons Men's Retreat is this fall, September 8th through the 10th at Crooked Creek Ranch. We'll let you know as soon as possible when the online sign-up begins. Next week, Adam Benjamin shares how his life is different and his marriage and his home are better because of what God did in his life at a Flatirons Men's Retreat. So I carry out around a lot of insecurities Um, I think I mask them well to the outer world, but looking myself in the mirror, I'm a very hard critic on myself. And so what goes through my mind is if I see myself that way, others must see me that way as well. Join us next week for another powerful story on Retreat Reflections. This is Dan Foote, and this is Wake Up Call, the Flatirons podcast for men.